Hola, buenas. I'm Gerd Leonhardt, futurist in Zurich, Switzerland. It's my great pleasure to contribute today to the BCI event on the future. The next 10 years, I'll share my key learnings from the future. I'll speak about the metaverse, about technology, about decarbonization, all the things that may be important for you in Chile and, of course, worldwide. But let's dive right in. From the beginning, it's very important to see that you know, we're going down a fast road to the future. And it doesn't help if we keep looking at the past. <laughs> For the rearview mirror right to figure out what worked back then we have to have a view on the future because the purpose of my work and looking at the future and what we do today is not that we can predict things right it's that we want to be able to better understand what's coming to be better prepared right it's all about that uh, nobody can predict the future some people were in the past but quite good at it, but uh, right now this is about getting intuition, imagination, to kind of understand what's coming, to develop what I call the future mindset, the ears, right? The most important future principle here, period, is to observe, to pay attention, right? This is how you're going to prosper in the future. You pay attention to what's happening and you think five or 10 years ahead, not 50 years, right? Be one step ahead of the customer. Right? That is, of course, the key to future readiness to understanding, which I'll talk more about later. So point number one, the future is exponentially different than today. The future isn't an extension. It isn't going to be the same, right? In fact, we can say, safely say, that many traditional ways of doing things are dying out. For example, if you're in the car industry, yeah, it's no, no longer going to be about the gas engine, right? It's basically going to be about the electric engine. <laughs> so not a thousand parts in the engine, but only 25 parts, the rest is software, right? The future is not an extension of the present, whether you are in mining or, or oil and gas, right? The future isn't going to be the same, just faster. That's, you know, we can clearly see, for example, in the music business where I used to work, it's no longer about CDs or tapes, right? It's you click on the button of your mobile and the music starts playing. It's going to be the same for energy. We're going to switch to renewable energy. We're going to switch to an intergrid of services, possibly next generation nuclear fusion. We'll always have oil and gas one way or the other, but it will not be the sort of core element of the economy. We have to think of the future differently. The future is massively focused on new things, right? It's basically like this, right? It's not the little TVs anymore. It's like, you know, dozens of TV stations. And in the media business, that's been, of course, totally clear. People watch television on the internet now in many countries. Uh, and it's a complete convergence, right? The future is different. It's not an extension. We have to understand, for example, in the car industry, what happened there, right? We're moving from this idea of uh, combustion engines, the, the black uh, box here, to software services, right? All companies are now in the business of creating software products that led by Tesla and Toyota, and of course the German companies now too. Electric vehicles, right? I mean, they're going to be so cheap that nobody in the right mind is going to consider buying a regular car any longer. May take a little bit longer in South America. Uh, of course, for obvious reasons, there are lots of traditional cars there. But very soon we're going to see uh, also regulation on having a regular car or like buying a, a, a scooter or so. They'll all be completely electric and much cheaper and network of things everywhere. We have to question our assumptions about how things work. And sometimes I think, you know, thinking about the future is a bit like therapy, you know. We're questioning our, our assumptions as to, oh, this is not working because, right? We have these fixed opinions. We have to move away from this. If we want to be successful in the future, we have to question our assumptions all the time and be ready to leap into the next window of possibilities and activity. Again, 
the future mindset, right? This is how we pay attention. We're saying, oh, uh, maybe this is working after all. Maybe we can try again. Just because it wasn't working 20 years ago, like solar energy, it can very well work today. In many countries around the world, solar is already cheaper than oil and gas and coal, of course, right? Big deal, for example, in India. Right? The future is gradually then suddenly. A great quote from a Hemingway novel, right? We are the takeoff point of the future. The future isn't one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, you're gradual like humans like to think of, right? It is exponential, right? We're leaping into the future. 8, 16, 32, Moore's Law, Metcalfe's Law, Wright's Law. Uh, have you heard about all these laws? Of course, we're leaping, right? And that's especially true for South America, leaping into a new future. Also, of course, of all the political changes now. We're, we're leaping to a great reset button. That's pretty much every industry. Probably very good news, not easy to do in many cases, complicated things, of course, here. But the future is exponential, it is uh, convergent, and it combines, it's combinatorial, right? It combines different pieces of technology into entirely new concepts, like the electric car industry, like, for example, the new media industry, like we're going to see with digital money, state digital currencies, um, not Bitcoin, but just uh, digital money and converging industries, right? Healthcare is converging with technology, for example. So gradually then suddenly we're leaping. Don't think for a minute that you can sit there and wait. You can't. You have to look at this and say, wow, you know, if, if I'm just waiting three years, it has leapt from four to eight to 16 to 32. And it's mind boggling, right? 30 linear steps will take you 30 meters from the starting point. 30 exponential steps will take you 26 times around the world, right? Completely different. So four, and then in 10 years, 256, 10 more years, one million times as different. Our kids are going to live in a world that's potentially one million times as far as from today. And we have to be good ancestors. We have to show them what to do. Uh, we have to show them how to be successful, not just financially, but also as humans, you know, 30 exponential steps. So welcome to the era of what I call perma-change. Perpetual change, that isn't going to change in the next decade, probably not the next two decades. It's going to be wild and chaotic and possibly a kind of golden era, you know, like, like a bell a poke. Uh, after the war here in Europe, once we're further along with the discussion about renewable energy, a year or two, 2024, maybe the rise of sort of a bell a poke around the world, also recovery from inflation and so on. I think we have too many good things happening for that to continue for a long time. But this era of perma-change, right, it's totally obvious what's happening here is like every part of society is changing. And that means for us, looking at the technological game changes, and I, I think we'll look at this a little bit more detail later, but you can see here big data, cloud computing, the Internet of Things, uh, natural language processing, and of course down here intelligent machines, 3D printing, virtuality in the metaverse. I'll talk about that, of course, a little bit later. And of course, synthetic biology, you know, being able to redo what, uh, what nature does, for example, with spider silk. I'll show some examples on that later. The game changes, you can find more about that at gerdsgamechangers.com. But here they are again. So basically, every city is becoming smart and connected and cities are now leading the future in so many ways. So the Internet of Things, artificial intelligence in, this, in the core of, you know, of how things work. But uh, let's make no mistake about this. These machines aren't intelligent like humans. They're essentially just smart, right? Uh, so called artificial smartness, better than dumb, you know, but 
many machines are still as dumb as a toaster. Uh, <laughs> and that's going to take a decade for that to really change. And we're going to move into a future where uh, assisted systems are going to be everywhere in production and, and everywhere, right? So basically, we can safely say business as usual is dead or dying. If you still have business as usual, for example, in the mining industry, that's quite obvious how that is already being automated, right? In the oil and gas industry, that's at the beginning, switching to renewable energy. Uh, that's business as usual isn't going to continue no matter what industry you're in, especially, for example, in tourism right? or in banking when you move to digital wallets. Um, and it doesn't mean the end of anything, right? Look at the music business. You know, you used to go from CDs and tapes and now it's a click, Spotify, Apple and so on. You know, 180 million people are paying for digital music that way, probably quite a few in Chile as well, right? And all over South America. So very, very important point we look at this. Uh, business as usual is dead or dying. We have to reinvent, and we have to figure out how that handshake works between technology and humanity. That is most important. You know, humans aren't machines and we can't treat them like machines. And they have concerns about privacy and, and data and protection. And, and of course, these are highly political issues that we have to figure out how we help people to connect, but not take their rights away. We can't have 100% security and 100% freedom. You know? So there, there's a lot of conversations about how we can make that balance really, really important. But business as usual, as we know, it is dead. And just some examples here, and right? 3D printing of houses. This is in Austin, Texas, already happening everywhere in the world, including China. 3D printing of meat, right? This is meat from the lab that's being printed. Uh, or sometimes, of course, being mixed in sort of fermentation processes, right? Uh, all these things are happening everywhere. Uh, this is 3D printing of medication, right, in the pharma business. You know, printing the components of pills together at the point of sale in the pharmacy. And this is printing of spider silk, which is used to be natural ingredients now, can be done in the factory to create shoes. Mind-boggling. Right? I mean, we're leaping synthetic biology, nanotechnology, and we're leaping into a future, for example, where concrete is being replaced by 3D printed materials and recyclable. Uh, we have all the solutions, now we just have to get to rolling them out and, and, and agree on this. So 11 game changes and the mega shift. Um, in my last book, I mentioned the mega shift, uh, that's chapter five. You can download that for free at megashifts.digital, right up here in the, up here. In the, uh, in the URL, Megashift Digital. You can download that in Spanish, in Portuguese, English, French, and uh, 12 other languages. It's the entire chapter uh, of that. So here they are. Here they are. Uh, basically, yeah, everything is going virtual. Everything is becoming smart. Cognification, uh, that's a key word, right? Um, disintermediation of, of things that used to be, for example, in media. Automation, very big topic, right? Everything that can be automated will be automated. That has huge societal consequences, not necessarily unemployment, but change of job profiles. And we have to be pretty smart in public policy uh, to make that work. So big, big thing here. Metaverse, I'll talk about a whole chapter on that a little bit later. But basically what's happening is that because of virtuality, we can now live in these kind of virtual worlds. Uh, they are too expensive, in my view, for the average consumer for quite some time. A really good headset will be about $500. The HoloLens, Microsoft, $3,000. I think that is the half of the annual income of a, of a person in, um, uh, in Chile. Um, but in any case, I think that's going to be really interesting for doctors and lawyers and judges and you know, to figure out the, how to learn. And all. I mean, it's, it, it's going to be pretty amazing, but it's not that kind of huge thing like the mobile phone. And, and I'll explain later why that is. I think we're, we're, we're kind of like seeing the future as if it was already here. But uh, the CEO of Intel said the other day, we have to... We're going to have to figure out 
a thousand times the computing power to make the metaverse work. <laughs> right, so it's a little bit further away, and I think it's interesting to think about that. But instead, I think I want to first introduce you to the three recipes for the bomb for Dura for the um, for the good future, the DDR as I call it, right? Um, and I think it's really important that we understand where this is going. So the concept here really is simple, coming from my film, The Good Future, um, where I talk about what is happening, how we can create a good future. Uh, it's also available, available in Spanish subtitles, thegoodfuturefilm.com. Uh, you can watch it for free online, of course. Bottom line is here, there's three things. Okay, first, digitization and technology. Everywhere, right? Making things faster, cheaper, more effective, less pollution. That's what's happening, right? Decarbonization. Everything is going green. In the next decade, we're switching to a green economy away from the fossil fuel economy, which has dominated our society for a hundred years, or probably longer than that, right? And currently churning out, in the last 25 years, we've churned out 50% of global pollution, right? And an utter disaster. We go on like this, it's going to be four degrees warming for our kids, which is pretty much the end of civilization in a normal way. 400 million climate refugees. You heard that story. This is really important to realize. This is a major thing right now. And then, of course, reformation, right? Which means to reform the economic logic, to think about a kind of capitalism that works for everybody, a sustainable, inclusive capitalism, not a degrowth, but a sustainable growth, right? It's not just black or white here, right? Degrowth or not growth, yeah. We have to grow, right? But it has to be reformed how we grow and what that means. Very important here, for example, Everything is going digital, healthcare is going digital, market size exploding for care delivery, remote diagnostics. If you're in the healthcare business, that's going to be absolutely amazing. Uh, sustainability is already rocketing in energy, in protein production like uh, vertical farming and artificial meat from the lab, cultured meat, right? In, in, uh, in investing with ESGs and so on. I mean, these changes are everywhere. And lastly, of course, we have reformation in the sense of all of the urgent stuff that we need to look at, right? Most of those are climate issues, environmental issues, and social issues. They're not tech issues, right? So we're going to have to think hard as any company, even if you are a tech company or a bank or insurance company or, or an oil company, right? You have to think about these issues and take leadership because there are societal issues that can erode our society. Like we can see, social media has basically eroded democracy and that's a very very bad thing that we need to fix so basically what's happening here is kevin kelly famous futurist co-founder of wired said the other day we should be optimistic not because we have less problems we have lots of problems right? but because our capacity to solve them is larger than we thought here i'll prove that to you by showing these graphs of how technology has exploded in possibility the blockchain robotics energy storage i mean yeah, and five multi-trillion dollar in innovation platforms in blockchain, um, in uh, genome editing, in robotics. Lots and lots of new revenues there. And of course, you know, genome sequencing is going towards zero. It used to be $100,000, now it's 800. In a few years, it'll be $80, and then it'll be $8 to have your genome done. Because computing power is increasing, as you can see here, making it much more affordable to do all of those things. And lastly, the global electric vehicle sales, and we're going to switch to electric cars everywhere, and electric scooters, and buses, and maybe even airplanes. 
much faster than we thought. I think this is very, very important to remember. Right? <coughs> don't don't bet, bet on the wrong horse here. Right? This is really what's happening. So the resulting global paradigm shifts are huge because they're basically uh, catapulting us into a different world, a different society that's run by the millennials, essentially. Right? The millennials, of course, are the, are the people between uh, roughly right now 25 to 35. Right? And, and they want different things. And they're coming out of the COVID crisis and saying, give me some answers. You know? What about this shift to the climate as being a top objective, not just the economy? Energy going to clean, right? Are the, and uh, the culture, of course, millennial-centric means no longer uh, the boomers or, or gen, uh, gen Xs, you know, my age and above, you know, but it's all about millennials and they're going to take over the economy. Uh, so younger people, more women, that's going to be quite a shift in many countries and we're shifting to a new kind of capitalism, the stakeholder economy, the more inclusive economy. Uh, work is going virtual, right? We're working on the cloud, we're working hybridly, you know, hybrid is the future there. And production is going biological, yeah? which means that we can actually create things that used to be in nature, like spider silk, like cultured meat, like vertical farming and so on. Um, so that, that is a very big shift as we're moving into this world that's basically a new paradigm going away from this profit and growth of uh, obsession and GDP, which is really killing us. And millennials are definitely on that track. Right? Towards a larger story, I call that people, planet, purpose, and prosperity. Uh, four issues. And I believe in the future, CEOs will get paid by ticking those four boxes, not otherwise, not just ticking one box. And your stock is going to go up if you tick all four boxes and you'll only pay dividends if you tick all four boxes and people will only invest in your company if you tick those four boxes. That is imminent in the next decade, probably starting in 2024 as an objective with new stock markets like the long-term stock exchange in uh, in San Francisco, that's already going in this direction. And uh, we're clearly going on this exponential path, you know, uh, where it's all going to be about this, right? This people planet purpose paradigm. And we're now in a place where this is already starting to accelerate, the black now button. Uh, but clearly people are asking for a holistic approach to business, not just a money approach. And this is going to be so crucial for your country. That is the key to a good future for all of us. And that is going to rapidly explode. Right? Um, that is an issue that is not going to go away. It's not going to shrink regardless of what else is happening, regardless of the Russia-Ukraine uh, crisis, which I think will end in the next three to six months in some way or the other end in parenthesis uh, be resolved. Uh, that would be my hope. Right? And people are thinking differently. You can see on this stats here, this is from ARK Investment, I think. Uh, and from the Pew Research Center, right? uh, people are aligning with purpose. They want more purpose in their life. They're changing the way that, that they think about things. They also have more of a focus on well-being. And this is to be considered. That's, again, the millennials who are saying, you know, we'd love a world that's more about purpose. Right? And purpose isn't just money. Right? Money, money is going to remain important, especially for the millennials, I think. But purpose, right? Why am I doing this? Can I trust this company? Can I trust this person, this government, this CEO? Right? So there's a new world order unfolding based on this, on this paradigm, people, planet, purpose, prosperity. And that is the ETA, the estimated arrival 2030. And Time Magazine already has a story on this a few months ago, how to do more good, right? This is becoming a very big topic. And it's no longer about philosophy, right? This is about action and uh, 
our business plan for the future for humanity. Eh? In your country, clearly, this is so true, sustainability is going to move center stage. Green is the new digital, a right? $150 trillion value shift. Eh? And there's lots of new money there. There'll be over 100 million new jobs in the green economy. And, and you can be a leader there by pursuing, of course, these kind of things that people have looked at in the, uh, in the last 10 years. You know, it's explosive. Right? Agricultural software, fuel cell EVs, battery storage, climate fintech, and on and on and on. That is where all the new money is. The next 100 unicorns, billion dollar companies, they're all being climate change technology. Huge opportunity for your country, I think, uh, to step up and, and solve it there and then even export solutions. Uh, green is the new digital. So let's talk about technology and digitization. Really what's happening is that digital everything is here, right? Basically everything is becoming digital. And uh, we have the shift from physical to digital, as you can see in retail here, from regular commerce to e-commerce. Well, that's not new, but also now social commerce which is selling on social media, very popular in China and um, I don't know about uh, South America, but China, Korea, Japan and so on, right? And of course we have this giant shift, you can see here how Nike is selling increasingly more stuff direct, right? Uh, a lot of brands are moving to direct selling over the internet, uh, over digital networks and, and artificial intelligence, for example, is one of those shifts that will make it a lot more efficient and faster as this AI enterprise solutions are coming in. Um, making it much more powerful, much more likely. From physical to digital, keep that in mind, I call it digital. It's a very key word here in Europe. The mix of digital and, and physical. Everything is going digital, but of course we're still humans, right? We're still physical. We have to respect that. Right? And we're moving into this world from extraction, which is fossil fuels, also extraction of people, like social media or, you know, in some ways, um, other industries have done. And now we move to a future where it's about creation. Uh, this is how your country is going to get ahead. This is how you get ahead to get away from extraction with those models are dying, right? And move towards creation, right? And again, virtual reality metaverse, which I'll talk about in a minute, is going to be one of those models, I think, uh, as we're moving in healthcare, for example, from sick care, taking care of sick people with pills. Now we move into healthcare, right? Where we look at data and we can be smart and anticipate, we can solve things. We can potentially even diagnose future likeliness of having diabetes or cancer and do something about it ahead of time. So, um, and clearly digital money, that's going to be fantastic because it will save so much transaction costs, but we have to also be careful of the side effects, loss of privacy, monitoring, security issues, and, and so on. It's kind of like this, you know, as, as um, here our friend, the chairman of the um, FCC says. Yeah, rapid changes are taking place. I mean, clearly, uh, that is a situation where that's obvious to a lot of people, but central banks' digital uh, uh, currency is coming, digital money is coming, just like this kind of idea of, of having access to virtual environments is coming. I do wonder, however, what it will do for kids uh, when their mind is expanded in such a way. I think that could be heaven or it could be hell. Uh, personally, I would much rather have my kids, you know, learn how to build a sandcastle or actually both, right? That would be ideal. Very, very big issues, how we deal with that and how we uh, kind of figure this out, this, this kind of sliding scale between really great and not so great. It could be heaven or it could be hell, but we have to make sure that we protect our kids and ourselves from too much overload. So this is about ethics, clearly, right? what I call digital ethics. 
It's known the difference between what you have the right or the power to do and what is the right thing to do. Best example is Facebook, social media. Right? Facebook has all the rights to do what they are doing, which is to monitor us and sell our data and, and, uh, and uh, show bad things six to eight times as, as often as good things. Right? But it's not the right thing to do. It's unethical. Right? And this is a very, very important distinction that we have to think about success in the future. Ethics brings me also to what's happening with humans and machines, right? AI, artificial intelligence, and HI, human intelligence. And it's a key topic as we're moving into that future where things are becoming possible that used to be science fiction, this overlap of humans and machine, all the way to brain-computer interfaces and, and, of course, smart glasses and uh, prosthetics and, and all these things. I mean, we're looking at a long list, right? Hyperconnectivity, Internet of Everything, smart machines, that's not that far away. We're in the, in the middle of that already. By the end of the decade, we'll have that everywhere. Voice interfaces, automatic translation, um, virtual mixed reality. We have to get ready for this, and we have to understand what AI really is, as Demi, Demi Sassadi says, the CEO of DeepMind. It's computer systems that turn data and information into knowledge. Keep this uh, in the back of your head, right? This is not about machines doing what humans used to do, which is, of course, a kind of AI, right? It's machines that have knowledge. Like here they have DALI, right? DALI 2, that creates images from input that's done with text, where you can say, okay, please just uh, find me flamingos that are tap dancing, uh, and boom, it creates an image, right? Just a couple of months ago, the cover of Cosmopolitan magazine was done by an AI, for free, of course, <laughs> in 12 seconds. Um, that's a kind of computer knowledge, but this knowledge, of course, is on its own, right? It's not human knowledge or human intelligence. Very important to understand this as we bring in robotic humanoids like Sophia, which for the most part, I, uh, I find it interesting, but I know, of course, that Sophia is pulling up information in the background and just making it sound very human. I'll give a little sample here so you can enjoy it. Okay, so Sophia says, you know, this is a, a robot friend. I'm, we're, we're here and we're, we're basically in a situation where this is going to be our new normal. You can watch that on YouTube, but, but just go into this, uh, to this sample page that I've, I've printed down here. So, but I think that knowledge without wisdom is like water in the sand. Uh, I mean, basically, yeah, she has some knowledge, but it's water in the sand, right? It's a, and I think it's basically kind of... I wouldn't say random, it's very well done, but it's not very meaningful. And that is a key question I have about AI and where that's going to lead us. But let's go ahead with the metaverse because you know the AI metaverse, of course, are very much related. Uh, we should not mistake a clear view for a short distance when it's about that, right? Uh, we, should, we should keep in mind what's actually happening here when we look at the metaverse. It's kind of a combination of all of the key trends that I mentioned earlier, the game changes, you know, cloud computing, uh, uh, energy and all of the things that are coming together to make uh, metaverse possible and of course new materials and so on. So this is our friend Zirk showing off his uh, his uh, system. Um, I think it's Horizon Workplaces that's the, the main meta product but also of course the Oculus Rift and so on where you can go into a virtual reality and, <coughs> and kind of uh, immerse yourself in different ways and have your avatar there. I'll show in a minute how that actually works. Um, and of course, the other one is, of course, education, which I find really interesting to wear glasses where you can dive into and understand things. So education is one of those things where I find a lot of really powerful 
potential there in and the metaverse. Um, all of these examples on, on YouTube, I'll link them later, right? Um, so the metaverse components are important to understand as we're moving into the possibility of holograms, uh, augmented reality on my glasses where I can see stuff on the inside. Um, that is going to be hot, I think much more than the helmet. However, having said that, glasses like this will cost $1,000 uh, starting with Apple, I think, next year. Uh, be out of reach for most consumers and also too sensitive and requiring 5G. So that's, that's a bit of a future story here. But here are the components of the metaverse that are really important to understand. So it's about extended reality. Um, it's, it's about this idea of digital uh, uh, reflections of hyperconnected networks, uh, of transactions, for example, using uh, um, NFTs and so on. Bringing all that stuff together in a new universe of essentially immersive 3D interfaces. I think it's going to be really powerful, but uh, it's not as close as many people think. I think it's in reality quite a bit away. B2B, I can understand that, you know, uh, digital twins in production. Hey, that sounds like a great thing to me. Uh, also make it much more efficient and faster to change things. Uh, planning and designing for architects and, of course, doctors and so on. So powerful B2B applications as we're moving into the future where you can touch things that aren't there and collaborate. And, and this is already happening everywhere. And that's going to be a great application for business. Uh, for personal use, I kind of doubt it also because, not just because it's too expensive, also because it kind of makes you confused as to where you really are. Uh, you know, touching virtual things and being in a world that's kind of like a different world. I, I think we need to engage in our real world, not escape our real world. Uh, for work, I can see that how that works in B2B, right? But, you know, a famous uh, designer of virtual reality said the other day, it's like moving into ambient computing. It's being in the computer rather than accessing it. That sounds a bit scary to me, uh, probably a little bit overdone. Um, as Zuckerberg also says, here's Mark. Hello, Mark. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, glad that you're not, uh, you're not captured in here. But I don't know what he's saying, but he's giving us a message. I think this is a message. It's the metaverse is about a time when immersive digital worlds become the primary way we live our lives. I, I, I think that is far-fetched. Uh, and it's not what I would want. I think it's not what most people would want. It's a way of using a better tool. Right? That is what the metaverse used to be, uh, should be for us, right? So I have a website I set up for you to read more about this. I call the metaperverse. You know, the metaverse gone wrong. Um, you can take a look at the website and read more about what I think that's happening here. But basically, I think this kind of world is a fantasy world. It is a gaming world, which is interesting for some people, for gamers. Will it be mainstream anytime soon? I doubt it. I think it will not be the place where I'm going to sell my virtual handbags or something. Uh, my virtual shows, of course, in my sense. I think it's interesting. Uh, it it uh, merits being investigated. But we may already live in a world that's too connected. Right? Uh, there's already uh, a name for this. It's called nature deficit disorder. You know, not being enough connected, living in the sort of sofalarity. Right? I think that kind of world uh, could be difficult for a lot of people, not just because they won't afford it and there'll be more digital divide, uh, also because it's going to be utterly confusing. We have to be really careful about this. I think the mobile phone is already heading in the direction of really confusing people. The other thing is, of course, because of this and because of what's happening around us, we're going to see a lot more machines at work. And that means uh, what we are doing is going to change. This is the pyramid of work of the future. Uh, the lower part, you know, intellectual knowledge, logic, data information, that's really going to be kind of what machines do. 
and, and that's going to really have great impact on education. Why would we learn something in, for later, you know, just in case? We need to learn just in time. And our place up here in the pyramid is, is you know, deeper knowledge, tacit knowledge, understanding, <coughs> human agency, purpose, and wisdom, right? That is the human's only turf, right? What are called the andro-rhythms. And this is so important for our own career that we further our tools, not just in intellectual knowledge and, and logic and, and gear ourselves up, but also have more EQ, emotional uh, quotient, right? That's what every HR department wants, you know? People with understanding, with wisdom, right? And of course, ultimately, human agency, consciousness, spirituality. That, that is what makes us human. And we must protect what makes us human to have a good future. This is clearly going to be part of the agenda, I think, in every possible case, especially on the metaverse, right? So that brings me to the last point, before last point, point number eight. Future readiness is existential, right? What I said earlier, stop looking at the rearview mirror and say, this used to work, I'll do it again. Well, that's not going to happen, right? The future is in a different place. The future is coming at mind-boggling speed, not as slow as this picture, right? It's zooming in, we have to focus on the future. The future is no longer a time frame, it's a mindset. I think every politician, every CEO, CIO should pass a future test. Yeah, do we know about the future? Are you spending time in the future? One hour a day, Bill Gates says, and I tend to agree with Bill Gates a lot, right? One hour spent in the future, not watching movies, right, uh, but reading the right books, that will prep you for a great career, having a future mindset. And this is the people that you want aboard, right? People who can create the future with a vision. And this has been done, of course, in much technology uh, sectors. It has been the number one thing that people do there. And so understanding the future, building a future mindset, right? Um, future readiness, this great McKinsey chart shows kind of like, you know, it's about purpose, it's about an agenda. Um, it's about using culture as your secret weapon. Right? Getting ready for the future involves different things than the past, yeah? not, not the old sort of focus on efficiency. Finally, the future is better than we think. Right? Just to give you some examples, I think this is important to remember because Remember, as you see the future, so you act, and as you act, so you become. Barbara Hubbard, rest in peace. Right? If we see the future in a good way, we can create a good future. That is going to be really important in countries like yours, where you're developing in some sectors and rebuilding in others. So whether it's about solar energy, wind energy, renewable energy, whether it's about electric cars and battery technologies and the integrid, about culture, smart agriculture, smart farming, vertical farming, and so on, and whether it's about understanding the human genome and possibly changing it, right? And all the technologies of mRNA, genome editing, and on top of that, of course, what's happening in, in creating new ways of eating, new ways of food, uh, including, of course, cultured food and so on. And it's going to be better than we think. We have all the tools, and now what we need is the telos, you know, the good old Greek word, uh, the purpose, the sense, the wisdom, the collaboration, right? the goal of what we want to reach. This is going to be ultimately crucial for success as we're moving into this future, because it's not just about digital transformation. Right? We're transforming our societies. We're transforming ourselves, humans. Right? We're all going to live longer, hopefully happier. We're going to live with more equality. Hopefully we can work that out, but technology doesn't do that. Those are cultural, political things. Right? We need that handshake between technology and people. 
Uh, and we need to have regulation and supervision of technology to make that work, just like we have it in banking or telecom or media right, or, of course, oil and gas. Right? That is going to be crucial so that we can get together uh, in, in the right flow for the future. So, watch my film, thegoodfuturefilm.com. Uh, again, there's a Spanish version on Vimeo. Famous futurist Buckminster Fuller says, we are to be architects of the, of the future, not its victims. And we're going to build the future, and you're going to build the future that you want, not that somebody else wants for you. I always say, if we build our own future, that's much better than somebody else deciding what future we should have uh, based on their technology paradigms. Right? So, be architect of the future, not its victims.